Well, we can't say it enough. Um, That's why we're doing this marriage series. And I want to thank just a moment and thank those of you that are single, single, widowed, uh, your divorcees, is because I realize that um, it's easy to perhaps, perhaps feel alienated when we do a marriage series. But one of the things that I really prayed for and, and, I, and I believe has happened is that there's a lot of relational skills to learn. I mean, the whole conflict one last week, there's a lot we can learn about all of our relationships. I, I think the same is true today as we look at this idea of his and hers, is that even as someone who's single, uh, widowed, or a divorcee, is that um, God always honors when we become more self-aware of ourselves. And Elizabeth and Arlen mentioned that. Uh, and, and as we understand ourselves better, we understand others better, and especially our spouses better. There's a quote by a, a gentleman named Theodore Reich. Uh, he was a psychoanalyst that was born in uh, the late 1800s, and he died in the 1960s. And he said this. He said, in our civilization, men are afraid they will not be man enough. And women are afraid that they may be considered only women. Let me read it again. In our civilization, men are afraid that they will not be man enough. And women are afraid that they might be considered only women. Today, in, this, I, in our time together today, I want us to embrace how God has created us. I want us to embrace the fact that if we are men, if you are women, it's that we are not ashamed about that. We, uh, in this culture, there's this constant struggle and battle, and, and he hits it. He hits it right on, and he wrote this in the 60s, this understanding and and this battle of trying to be secure in how God created us as men and husbands and how God created us as as women and wives. And so what I want to spend some time with today is for us to embrace that, to not be ashamed of it. I mean, really, if God established it and God ordained it and God designed us, why should we not embrace it? Why should we run from that? I, I, I've shared with a lot of young couples uh, the idea of being a student of your spouse. And I don't think it changes. In fact, I think it gets harder the older that you get. Because you think you know your spouse. And in some cases you do. But it's always important for us. God always honors when not only do we become more self-aware, but that we are aware of what God is doing in our spouses, because we then can come alongside Christ and we can be used by Christ to help our spouse become all that Christ created them to be. That's what being a husband and wife is all about. But we have to recognize that we're different and not be ashamed of that difference. You you cannot have a happy marriage unless you understand and accept that God made men and women different, and that it's a very good thing. It's a thing we should embrace. But if we don't understand it, if we run from it, or we follow God, or excuse me, society's definition of it, what happens is there's confusion, and that always creates a wedge in relationships, and marriages fall apart. But there's differences, and they drive the deepest needs that we have as human beings, and we have to embrace them. You add our unique personalities into that, um, they can make, this can make or break a relationship. 
Now, you don't have to have a degree in psychology. You don't have to read thousands of books on what it means to understand women or men. A lot of it comes down to paying attention. A lot of it comes down to being willing to invest in your spouse. There have been a lot of surveys done over the years, and men were asked, what, tell me about your understanding of women. And women asked, tell me your understanding about men. So think about this. See if you've ever said any of these. Men have said many times, women are too emotional. They don't feel as much pressure as us men to provide the family's income. Frequently, they deny their real power, men say about women. And men say they talk too much. Now, women say about men often, men are not sensitive enough. Men don't do their fair share of the housework. No nudges right now, please. Men are afraid to be vulnerable or out of control. And men don't listen. So, have you said any of those? No need to lie or hide it. Most of us have said one or more of those things. But I want to bring us down to one foundational truth that drives all of our needs as men and women and as husbands and wives. Now, while there are variances of this and while... Um, there are other things that play into this. this. These are primary. These are primary in every man and every woman, woman. And it's this. Men focus on achievement. We like it when we achieve things. It makes us feel good. We get self-worth out of achievement. Women focus on relationships. Now, a lot of you perhaps are nodding your head uh, and saying, yep, that's it. But how does that play into how we care for one another? It's one thing just to complain about it. Well, that woman of mine, she's always, she just got to talk to people all the time. I don't really think that's what God intended for us to say about our wives. Oh, that man, I tell you, that husband of mine, he just always wants to hang out with other people and he, he never wants to just talk and cuddle. Well, maybe it's true, but here's what I want to challenge us with today. This isn't about your spouse. This is about you. This isn't about you saying, well, um, uh, they need to work on these things, then I'll work on these things. Let's remember it is the grace of God that allows us to be married. And so I want us to see how these things can help us understand. So we're going to talk first to the wives. If you would, flip with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We spent some time in this verse, uh, these verses, the first week of this uh, marriage series, and um, I want us to go back here because we kind of took a cursory view of it, and I want to go back and dig in a little bit more because what we see here as we study it is we see how this really drives our needs. So we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to start with verse 22. Actually, we're not. We're going to go back to 21 because this is the foundation of it all. I listed it wrong on there. Verse 21. Submit to one another out of our reverence for Christ. All, submit, all submission, men or women, starts with our reverence for Christ. Verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And then I want you to jump down to verse 33, the last part of it. 
and the wife must respect her husband. Now, you want to start a fight in culture, you go up to someone and say, yeah, wives need to submit to their husbands. Yeah, you'll light them up. Talk about a firecracker. And you'll get every kind of response there is. What we have to remember is submission is not a bad thing. Submission is a God-honoring thing. And when husbands and wives both submit, God is glorified and the relationship benefits from it. And God uses your marriage and your family and your relationship to honor Him in ways that we can never do ourselves. Verse 33, and the wife must respect her husband. Wives, what do you need to know about your husbands? They want to be admired. They want to be admired. Well, they, have, they, they don't deserve to be admired for anything. Let's be careful there. Wives, your husbands want to be admired. You see, God wired us for accomplishment and achievement. And so when we do that, we feel, we feel great of great worth. And when we feel that of great worth, we embrace our role as leaders of the family, which is what God ordained. But when we are not admired, it beats against our self-worth. And we wonder, does our wife recognize? Does our wife know? And again, I want us to work hard against the temptation just to say, they don't deserve admiration. Well, let me tell you what. Wives, you don't deserve what they're supposed to be doing for you either. But we're called to do it, aren't we? We're called to do it. That's what, that's what submission is about. And, and if I recall correctly from Scripture, none of us deserve the submission that Christ lived out. None of us. And so don't, don't start blaming. Don't start getting caught. But look at this fact of wives, your husband wants to be admired. I was trying to think of, a, of an image or a picture that would help us kind of understand this. And it's really hard to, to find one. But one that I kind of settled on is I don't know if you've ever seen a young boy of four or five. A young boy of four or five. And he's got a brother that's like eight or nine. You ever watch what happens? Yeah, they fight. But I tell you, that four or five-year-old looks up to big brother. They, they want to do what big brother is doing. They admire everything they accomplish. And there's this wonder, there's this appreciation. And sometimes the little brother doesn't recognize any of the big brother's faults, but they see the value of what God has given them in a big brother. I think in the same sense is that wives, with the same sense of appreciation for what God has given you in a husband, your husband, nobody else's, your husband, is that you treat him with devotion. You treat him with appreciation. Now, this is not about lording it over. And man, we're going to talk about that in a minute. God never says in his word, in fact, he says the opposite, is that women should not submit to men who are not living for Christ. Men who are in fact involved in sinful attitudes. The passage of Scripture here, which talks about wives should submit to their husbands and everything, God never meant that to be, yeah, when he's sinful. No. We're talking about this state of marriage that God designed when husbands are doing what they should do. Not perfectly, but they're, they're seeking to follow Christ. There is this willingness from women 
that their men need. Their husbands need a willingness, not a forced, not a, well, okay, I guess I have to because you're going to make a big deal about it. No, this, this genuineness to come alongside your husband. Just like Christ, when a wife admires her husband, she respects, honors, and shows value in ways that nurtures his leadership. You show, you, you show me a man that is struggling to lead in his family, one of the first things to check, it's not always the case, but one of the first things to check is how the wife is admiring her husband. A man has been created to lead his family. That's what God's Word says. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not about superiority of worth, which is what the culture makes it. I'm walking down the hallway this morning, and some little kid yells at, and he, and he, and he actually yells it out to Arlen. And he says, are boys better than girls? <laughs> and I thought, how, how appropriate. I said, get that boy in the, in, into the sanctuary. We're going to talk about that today. You see, the culture tends to create this worth that men are worth more than women. You show me in Scripture where that says that. It doesn't. This passage of Scripture does not say a man is better than a woman. He values all, and Scripture talks about it all over the place. He has created and designed everyone, and all of us have worth. But there is a difference in responsibility. God has clearly said in this passage of Scripture, and we'll see in a moment later down in Ephesians 5, He clearly says that I have, I have raised the man to take responsibility of his wife and his family. Not because he's better, but because someone has to lead and I have called him to lead. And there's this beautiful dance that goes on between husbands and wives. And wives, when you, when you show proper and appropriate admiration and respect to your husband, there's, there's nothing better. You know, people can say whatever they want about me, but if my sweetheart admires me and lifts me up and encourages me, that's what gets me, that's what gets me through. That's what keeps me going. Because she helps me understand, not perfectly, is that God has called us to lead. Not because I'm more important, not because I'm worth more, but because it's my God-ordained responsibility. We can't be ashamed of that, church. We can't let culture beat us up and make us feel bad about living out what God called us to be. And again, it doesn't mean we say, okay, woman, and you grab the hair in some, you know, some barbaric way of, you're going to do what I say. Absolutely not. That's not what the Scripture says. And so women, I want to challenge you, because by God's design, husband and wife become one flesh. And we often think about one flesh in a sexual, physical kind of way, and that's a beautiful part of marriage, but we're talking one flesh in soul and in heart. And when you show proper respect to your husband as he earns that and lives into his God-given ability, wives, you will be amazed at how your man will care for you. So, women, here's some practical things that I want to encourage you. Because, again, remember, men derive their worth from their achievements. And as silly, wives, as that seems to you, as, as ridiculous as that seems to you, we have to embrace that. 
Remember, God played, placed Adam in the garden. And what did he say? What did he say to do? You rule over the birds of the air and the animals of the land and the fish of the sea. Paraphrase Dan. But, but he gives them responsibility. And so man says, I want to worship God. I want to honor God. And so I'm going to do that as I follow and, and, and are, am obedient to him. From the very beginning. I have not found many men who have approached a marriage who want to honor Christ, who don't love the fact, as hard as it is, but they want to lead their families well. And unfortunately, culture, I can't use the word I want to, but unfortunately, culture has totally knocked us out of that and made us feel horrible for it. Again, it's not about lording over them. It's not about inferiority. It's about embracing our responsibility. So women, allow them to lead. Not apart from Christ, but in Christ, allow your man to lead. When you show him that respect and admiration, you've given him a great opportunity to do that. You know, the Lord God said in verse Genesis 2.18, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I think more than anything in these last five or six years of my marriage, I, I'm learning to appreciate that more about Susan. It's not that she didn't help me the first couple years, and it's not that she's doing more of that now. I believe she is. But God's teaching me to appreciate how much I need her. And he's teaching me to understand my responsibility. And one of the ways that plays itself out is that men love to do shared activity together. You want to admire your man, wives, and you do some shared activity together. You may say, oh, I can't do that. That's, that's, he, likes, he likes to mess with trucks and do this or that or whatever. Well, find something else. But work at it. Don't just say, you do your thing and I'll do my thing. We miss opportunities. And we want to have that. But there's this beautiful interdependence that happens when we, we show and we care for one another in such a way. One of the things I love doing is working in my yard. And one of the things that I often like Susan to do is just come out. She didn't have to do anything. But just sit and we talk as I'm pulling weeds or I'm doing this or that. Now that we don't do that all the time, one of the things we've learned to do is we like to take walks together. That's that shared activity. Because she sets aside all of her responsibilities for long enough to say, I want to be with you. That's admiration. That's care. Now, there's plenty of times we don't get it right. But wives, to admire your husbands is to develop the character of Christ in you. To, desire, to admire your husbands is to develop the character of Christ in you. It is that character of loyalty and respect. And it only comes through submission. That's the only way it can come. When it's not submissive, then it is lording over. Then it is forcing. That's not what God intends. All right, hubbies. Let's talk about you for a minute. Ephesians 5. Let's go down to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. 
In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Husbands, what you need to know is that your bride needs to be cherished. You have to cherish her. Of all the things you have to do, you need to show care to her like nobody else does. And there's a lot of beautiful ways to do that. But when you, we see in verse 29, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for the body just as Christ does the church. So this cherishing husbands is this practical outworking of loving vigilance. And I love the idea of vigilance. It's not you do it once in a while to gain some points and get you through the next few weeks. No, you cherish her in every moment, in every opportunity. Well, she's nagging at me. Grace, forgiveness. Remember, you don't deserve it either, but Christ still calls us to do it out of obedience and submission to Him. The image I love here, and I like this one better than the other one, is, is it, have you ever, and most of you, all of you moms have, some of you dads have been a part of this, but perhaps you've seen pictures or been a part when a baby is born, and there's those, those few special moments, and it's, it's hard not to cry because it is the most beautiful thing in the world. When mom gets that baby. Sometimes that baby's laid on her chest. Sometimes uh, it's a little later and mom's sitting up in bed and that baby comes into her arms. And, and, and you know what happens? There's that connection. There is that bond of the heart and soul. And that mother would do anything in the world to be attentive to the needs of that child of hers that God has given her. You ain't taking that baby away from that mama. <laughs> you see, much like that, husbands, your wife should feel so secure with you. Your wife should feel so protected and so, so preserved with you. Not because you do it perfectly, but that you are always working at it with, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And when you fail, you acknowledge that you, you didn't cherish her. But much like that bond between a mother and a newborn child, a husband should cherish what God has given him and his wife. Christ's love for the church is the model for husbands in its purpose and goal as well as its self-sacrifice. Men, you're going to have to. Husbands, you are going to have to. Make sacrifices for your wives. And I think one of the checks is for you to spend some time alone with God and say, God, am I making sacrifice for my wife? I think that's a real question. You don't need to share that with anybody. You don't even need to share that with your wife. That's between you and the Lord, and you need to walk in obedience. You need to seek the power of the Spirit to lead you. Well, Dan, I don't know what to do. You know what? Most of us don't. Most of us don't have a clue what to do. But try it. Try it. Give it a shot. You know what? You may fail miserably. But wives often notice if you at least tried, even if you failed miserably. But you learn from that, don't you? And you take another step. 
You see, in light of Christ's complete giving of himself that we read about in the Scripture, to make the church holy and cleanse her, husbands should be utterly committed to the total well-being, especially the spiritual well-being of your wife. Does your wife know that she's number one no matter what? How you talk to other women, is there ever a hint that your wife would think that you would even flirt, let alone take it further and show value to another woman in a very inappropriate way? Exercise on the side of caution, by the way. Here's what I love about Paul. One commentator said, he says in this passage in Ephesians, Paul instructs husbands to love their wives so completely and so righteously that the wife need never fear or suffer from her life of submission. That is a huge standard, men, isn't it? And I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking it too. There's, I, I don't know how to do that. Christ does. I, 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 I'm probably going to fail more, more times than I'm going to get it right. Allow the Holy Spirit, I'll say it again, to work in you. But what a great environment to see our wives not fearful. Remember we talked a few weeks ago in conversation and communication about creating a safe place? That's a really strong way of cherishing your wife. Your wife should be able to say anything to you it, of course, is not sinful or devaluing, but to express and share her feelings. And you've created such an environment that she feels safe. Because most of the time, they don't want us to fix it. Most of the time, they don't want us to, to have everything figured out perfectly. What they want is to be cherished. So here's some practical ways. Practical ways, because women derive their worth more from who they are than what they do. Men, tell them you love them. Now, that probably seems like the silliest thing. You, you spend all your time and this is your advice to us? Yep. Tell them when they expect it and tell them when they don't expect it. But tell them you love them. Because especially in this culture, women, despite what the culture is trying to do, the culture degrades women. And your role as a husband is to lift and cherish and build up your wife. And to know that she's loved and cared for will do that. But you've got to back it up with you got to back it up with expressions of that. Conversation and listening is huge. She wants her feelings to be validated. You don't have to agree with them. We talked about that last week. But validate that it's okay for her to feel that way. No matter how wrong she may be, it doesn't matter but you are caring for her, thinking about her when you're not together. And what I think is a great step for husbands to take is to do the, the Gary Chapman five love languages. How many of you have done the five love languages quiz? Anybody? It's the same way in the first service. I can't believe that. You need to do this, okay? I'm just telling you, that's your homework for the week. Go online, uh, type in fivelovelanguages.com, and there's a little quiz and I, my family and I did this about, it's probably been about two years ago. We had, it was a Sunday afternoon, we had all the kids around the table, and Samantha actually had a friend home. And so we just impromptu decided, hey, we're going to do this. Some discussion led to it. And so we start walking through, and it asks these questions. And they identify five ways that love is communicated to you. Because husbands, what the tendency is, is that we love our wives the way that we're comfortable with. We love our, lives, our wives the way we want to. But it may not be speak, it, that may not be the way God wired them. And so there are five of them. 
One, are, one is words of affirmation. This is my sweetheart's. She needs words of affirmation. When I'm ornery, and, and when I'm ornery, I, I like to tease her. That's one, of, that's one of the ways I like to show love, which is really goofy, but it's what I do. And so, so there are times when she, she, she's very receptive to that, and she knows that I'm teasing. But sometimes, very subtly, it can turn into a bit of a dig on her. And she'll just lovingly look at me and say, words of affirmation. <laughs> just a reminder, she doesn't do it cruelly, because I do the same with her. There are times when uh, mine is physical touch, which is another one. I tell my kids, it drives them nuts, but they know this is dad. In fact, we're taking this quiz and where every question that kind of had to do with physical touch, my kids just bust out laughing because they know that if they don't say anything to me, but I get a hug and a kiss, dad's happy. That speaks love to me. I want, I want a hug and I want a kiss. They don't have to say a word to me. For Susan, it's words of affirmation. Another one is acts of service. Some people like to, be, to, to have an act of service done for them. Another one is receiving gifts. I was talking to a, a lady after first service, and she said, she said I kind of was thinking about those, and she said, I guessed mine. Or she said, I know mine, and I guessed my husband's, and I asked him. And she said, I got it right. And she said, this is not ours, the gift thing. Uh, but for some women, you bring home a thing of flowers, woo! They love it. They love to be given those gifts. And then the last one is quality time. Some people respond with just wanting to be together. It doesn't matter what you do. This is my son Jacob's, actually. When we get to hang out, that communicates love to him. All of those are very doable. And so part of it is learning. So I encourage you to jump out and do that. But remember, husbands, most women, intimacy means sharing secrets, talking things over, cuddling, building relationship. You may say, well, I'm just not wired that way. You know what? It's time to make some sacrifice. Because God will equip you to do it. God didn't bring you your bride and say, well, I don't know how you're going to do this. This is going to be really tough. No, he says, let me nurture that in you. And then... When you cherish your wife, you develop the character of Christ. You will be amazed, men, as you cherish your wives, how you start to appreciate people more. Cherish comes out of self-sacrifice and commitment through submission. Jake and Rachel, will you do me a favor and come up here a minute? I want to I use you guys this morning. You don't have to say anything, so it's all good. So. So I, I, what I would like you to do is I want to kind of vis- you guys to kind of visualize. So Rachel, uh, every, everybody tell Jake and Rachel, hello. Okay, Rachel, I want you to stand here. Jake, I want you over here. Okay? Now I'm going to kind of move you around like puppets. Just go with me, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to put your arm around the back of your wife, okay? Okay? And you put your arm around him. And then what I want you to do is I want you to embrace hands. Okay? And so what happens here? in a marriage the way God designed it, is that husband and wife walk hand in hand together. And and the way it's designed is that, just take a a couple steps forward, is that as they grow and mature, as they experience life, is they are walking together. But what happens, you can come back, what happens is that Jake has a responsibility. His responsibility is to lead. 
He, he's got his hand, a strong hand that God has given him. And his responsibility is not to drag his wife by her hair or force her, but to lovingly lead her side by side. You see, worth is still part of it, but it's a different responsibility. Now, every time, Rachel, I want you to just put your hands down, and I want you to lovingly, don't knock him down, but I want you to lovingly just kind of push him with both hands a couple steps this way, okay? Don't knock him down, that kills the illustration, okay? And, and, and walk with him, just push him a couple steps, okay? When a wife does not admire her husband, she pushes what God intended off track, The husband cannot lead because his wife has pushed him out of the responsibility by not admiring him. Okay, come back. So in the same way, as I want you to do, you got to be really gentle, okay, with your wife. But in the same way, if if he does not embrace his wife and, and cherish her and pushes her to the side by making her feel inferior and worthless, they are also off track. But when they stand here together, arms around, hands together. They do what God intended. It's that beautiful dance. That beautiful dance. And yeah, there's times that there's sometimes there's a little bit of pushing going on and and you're trying and and we have those sinful things and they, they force us a little bit. But all the while, he's cherishing, so she wants to follow. And she's admiring him so that he's empowered to lead. Thank them if you would. You guys did a really good job. This is where doubts come in. This is where people come up with every sort of excuse. What you have to do is make the commitment that you want to you walk in the God-given rules that he has given you. And you want to appreciate and understand what it means to admire and cherish. So I want to give you a couple steps. The one step is this for a next step. Start with yourself. Don't go home today and start talking about all the things that your spouse is not doing to admire or cherish you. That's not how you get it done. But seek Christ and say to Christ, nurture this in me. No matter how, excuse me, frustrated I I may be, start with yourself and ask God to nurture those characteristics in you. And then pray for your spouse Don't try to change them. It's not the way it works. You know, it's always disaster when couples come into the marriage. And the funny thing is, is I think this is true of most couples. Yeah, they have some idiosyncrasies, my spouse-to-be, but I'm going to change them. (laughs) It usually does not work. You let God change their heart. You you let God uh, nurture that in them. And so pray for them. Lay, essentially lay your spouse on the altar of the Lord and say, God, transform their heart. And if that means you sharing your fears, if that means that you getting rid of all the unforgiveness, whatever that is, then, then let it go. And trust Christ with that. And you will see a beautiful dance. Take some time, take some effort. But oh, the beauty of it. And, and, and just so you know, People in culture, they really do want what God has intended. They just don't know it. They fight against it because they think they've figured out a better way. Haven't we done that some too? But let's trust Christ in this. Let's call upon him for grace. Look at this last quote. 
Jill Savage, who is uh, an author and a relational expert, said this. In your attempt to build a bridge between your two worlds, remember that the gap is not as big as it looks. As individuals, we are unique. As men and women, we find typical gender differences. Yet, as human beings, we all have the same basic needs to be loved, accepted, and valued. You look at any insecurity in any person, it's because they don't feel loved, accepted, and valued. Husbands, wives, it's your role, it's your responsibility to help through admiration and cherishing your spouse to feel loved, accepted, and valued. And God has equipped you through the Holy Spirit to do it as a Christ follower. If you're here today and you're trying to figure out the marriage thing and you have not surrendered and submitted your life to Christ, as verse 21 says, you will struggle. You will never experience the beautiful dance of what a marriage is designed to be because it starts with our surrender to Christ. Maybe today what it is for you is that you've wandered from Christ. I cannot say it strongly enough. You need to surrender, perhaps anew. You need, to, you need to repent. You need to bow before the Lord. And I'm going to invite you to do that. Do not be ashamed about coming up here. It takes a lot of courage to come up and say, I don't have it figured out. But men, women, some of you, this is what you need to do. This is where you need to start with yourself laid before Christ. Father, thank you for this beautiful thing of marriage, a relationship like no other, but modeled in Christ in the church. God, I pray that you would not send people out of this place today feeling defeated. I pray in the name of Jesus is that the enemy would not get a hold of them and convince them that it's just too much work. But that you, because you have overcome Jesus, is that you will ignite in them a surrender to the Holy Spirit. Help them take their next step, God, no matter how scared they are. And Father, may we walk alongside one another as the church, because as goes marriage, goes the church. And Father, we want to honor you in all of those things. In Jesus' name, amen.